This is Minutia Man with Rick and Dave. Hey, that's the way I'm looking at it because uh, we, we were talking yesterday, Sean, my youngest, is going back to college soon. Mm-hmm. He's got a job on campus, so mm-hmm. he wants to go back What's early. he doing? What is it? He's working as a Verizon salesman. Oh, so, oh and camp, he's going to be doing that? Yes, yeah, so he's going to be working full-time. And going to school. I'm sure that's going to work out. I'm sure out. it's going to work out. <laughs> work out fine, yeah. And he's living in a fraternity. <laughs> and here's the thing about the fraternity that uh, is is getting me a little bit nervous. Yeah, yeah. Tell me what you think about this. Right. He said that it'd be fine if Bridget and I help him move back to school. Oh, that's nice of him yeah, to say. That nice? Church, yeah. But we are not allowed to enter the fraternity house to help him move stuff into the fraternity because he doesn't want us to see how disgusting it is. <laughs> now... If you ever go into Sean's room, (laughs) you will see things growing in there that, uh, you know, like the rest of our house, we we just close his room off. It's the mold room. It it has a different smell. (laughs) It's, you know, it's like a different uh, ecosystem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... This fraternity house is so disgusting that he <laughs> feels it's disgusting. Holy crap. Yeah, but, you know, it wasn't that kind of the allure living in a hovel. Yes. Well, I mean, when I mean, we lived yes. together in college. and I, I remember. Yeah. I remember right. not caring. Right. Uh, you know, we had that pit that we lived yeah. in that we... We could just throw, a, you know, have a beer and just throw the can on the floor. <laughs> right. Uh, I remember one time, remember we had that little 12-inch black and white TV. Yeah. And I remember, I don't know if you were there. It was like me. I'm sure Quinn was there because Quinn never left the house, right. you know. Yeah. Um, and I remember at one point we were watching the little black and white TV. I'm sure it was some documentary on some, uh, yeah, sure. some highbrow yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, some sort of uh, And I remember there was, there was a beer can, sit, you know in my line of sight uh-huh. right and there was like a convention of gnats just buzzing around the top of the of the and instead this is what i did and instead of like throwing it away i just moved the can away so i could see the 12 inch black and white tv and that can was there for probably a month afterwards with the with the gnats buzzing around but it wasn't gonna deprive me of watching the 12 inch black and white tv when when, when bridget uh, and i first started dating i lived in a, a apartment uh, on like yeah, Lincoln Avenue. With two guys, yeah, with yeah. Bill and, right. I mean, it was just right. a couple of guys, right? Yeah. Uh, well, she came over to our house, uh, to the apartment, and it went into the bathroom. And then came out like a second later, and her her face was white. <laughs> and she still continued to date you. I know. Right? So that I right know. there, that is that's how charming I am. <laughs> yeah, right. um, and she said to me, "Has anyone ever cleaned this bathroom?" And and Bill and and Mark and I looked at each other like, "We're we supposed to do that? What? There's a gun, Melise. I didn't see that we had to do that. <laughs> it's a bathroom. Who cares? <laughs> right? right. <laughs> and, and so the funny thing." is Sean is telling us that we can't go in there and I'm trying to explain to him I'm unshockable. Yeah, right, 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 right. Right. I, I've seen it all. Yeah. I've seen Dave Stern's room. We <laughs> talked about that last week. You know, I've seen it all. Yeah. Uh, but he still won't let us go in. Yeah. Well, how's he going to stop you? You get yeah, there. You know you, that's you, a great point. Just walk in there. What that's are we going to do? Point. Uh, well, we have a show to do. Uh, <laughs> uh, Minutia Men is up next. But first, listen to this other fine old pie show.
What do you get when you hear a celebrity minutiaman interview, Dave? Rick, think of Dan Rather and Bill Maher having a kid. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. So you'll get minutia. Right. What does a Damone from Fast Times at Ridgemont High really think about the movie? Only right? one place to find out, and that's Celebrity Minutiaman Interview, a Tony Lasano podcast. Go to opishows.com or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast. An Opie production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is Minutia Man with Rick and Dave. Sicking back to the pit. Yeah. How were how were those landlords not arrested? <laughs> you know, or how, how could that possibly have been a Well, you know the the landlord right. uh, uh, is the daughter of the landlord is famous. Uh, it's a huge. Uh, she, She's a music star, right? Krauss, Alison Krauss, Alison Krauss. Uh, yeah. So you know, next time you go to uh, Alison Krauss concert, yeah. make sure you pull her inside and ask her about her slumlord dad. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> that we didn't get our fucking security deposit back. That's one hundred thirty-two bucks. This was the uh, house that had a walk-in safe. Yeah, an actual safe. An right. actual safe right. in the, the uh, a vault. Yeah, it, because it was, an old, it was like an old university yeah. bursar's building or whatever. And they, I don't and, know. And it was just as nice as you can imagine. <laughs> All right. Well, we got, Rick, we got a huge show here. And I'm, I want you to kind of just be aware that we might veer into some racism. Okay. Okay. So, uh, not on our part, obviously. No, no, no. This, I mean, anything we're that, shining a spotlight. On right. It. Exactly. Anything that we say over the next twenty-eight minutes or whatever that is racist, we're just doing it for educational purposes. Right. Yeah. It's not. We don't right. believe any of this. No. All right. Um, you have. You haven't been shy, and neither of us have been shy with our displeasure with what's going on in the United States over the last. Four years, seven, four years, basically. Right, right. right. Uh, and on several occasions, you and I have talked about, you know, spending our golden years in Elsewhere. a different in a different country. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> right. I think Ireland. We've talked about. Yeah, we've talked yeah. about Germany. I've been doing some research on Chad. Okay, yeah, Chad. Know, who knows? Right. Um, pretty much everything's on the table, but I really think that we should strongly consider Japan. Okay. okay First of all, we could play professional basketball there. Oh, probably. I hadn't even thought of that. <laughs> Rick Kepler, yeah. Godzilla, uh, according to a recent... Uh, <laughs> Again, <let's see. laughs> we're starting right there. Yeah, right. It's educational. Oh, it's totally... Yeah. Um, according to a recent survey by Japanese management consulting firm, Chicago... No, not... Chicago, uh, I think is how it's going. 49% of all Japanese companies employ an old man who does nothing. Okay. <laughs> they interviewed 300 employees ages 22 to 35 at over 300 companies and found that almost half of the respondents mentioned that one of their biggest frustrations at work is the old guy who is too lazy to work. Okay. Um, first of all, these young brown, brown nosers might call these guys lazy. I call them efficient. Yeah. Right. You know, exactly. Relaxed. <laughs> uh, upon further review of the study, I found out that these little shits are considering anybody over 40 as an old guy. Okay, now I've, now I've got white hot rage. When asked what these old guys are doing all day, other than being awesome, right? right? Uh, and keeping the company afloat. 41% said that they these uh, these do-nothing employees took too many smoking breaks. In Japan, a lot of smoking going on. Oh, I Japan. didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Um, 28% said they were just staring into space. 
Okay. I mean, I'm not thinking, sure. Yeah. Thinking <laughs> right. about the next project. Right. Uh, 22% said they engage in too much idle chit-chat, which I know you would love. Oh, my God. <laughs> You'd be your Mr. Idle chit-chat. And 9% of these heroes are wasting, uh, in there and these eyes, is wasting their days on the internet surfing anime porn sites. The old guys? Yeah. Good oh. for them. Okay. Right? Good yeah. for them to have a little juice left, right? right. Um, you know what else these little <laughs> crybabies think? What? 90% of the respondents feel that a th- uh, that they are a threat to the workplace. I'm like, come on. How? We're searching How? cartoon porn. How is that a threat, right? Come on. 59% says that the lazy old guys lowers their morale. Okay. Yeah, Wah. G- yeah bite me. Wah. Right. Nobody can make you feel anything <laughs> about you other than you, right? You know when you'll know that? When you're the old man who does nothing. <laughs> and 44% say that their workload increases. Yeah, come on. Now who's the lazy worker? Right. You're the you know, the young yeah. guy. You, you, so what? Suck it up for the old guy. Um, so, wow. So we're not moving to Japan. Well, no, I think that there's a, uh, every company has one of us. I thought this was a uh, this was a society that honored and revered the elderly. Yeah, evidently. Well, yeah. what the w- hell is w- wrong with yeah, you once people? Once you're searching for internet porn at the company, you're a yeah. pariah. Wow. So if you're a recruiter for a Japanese company or for human resources listening to the show right now. Yeah, I'm sure there's Rick, a ton. Rick, Rick and Dave will be happy to send you our resume because we can be that old guy, right? And if we're, you know, if they're considering 40-year-old people old, yeah, what could they possibly expect from us? Well, you know, think about how many Americans have companies that have an old man who does nothing. It's got to be close to 100%. 100%. Because isn't that the pinnacle of success? Yes, that's what you do. That's, that's what, what you, you work. strive for. You work your whole life to get to that point. <laughs> to be point. the old lazy guy in the yes. corner. What, 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 Rick's going to another Cubs game? Yes, I worked my ass off to get to this point. <laughs> yeah, maybe not for this company I did, but... Well, yeah, still. All right, I have a story for you. This is another international story, Dave. Mm-hmm. And this is uh, this is a sad story, you know. Mustard runs deep in French culture, mm-hmm. well, um, German culture too, right? With the well, yes, mm-hmm. but in French culture especially. In fact, there's an expression "la moutarde ne monte en aise." No, do it in your French. Huh? Do it in your racist <laughs> French. <laughs> do it in your French. <laughs> la moutarde ne monte en aise. Anyway, which means the mustard is rising into my nose, and that's something that they say all the time. Well, you know, this past week, this week has been Bastille Day. Mm-hmm. It was the, the biggest holiday in French uh, history. Um, and this so year, it, the, the, that is that's a holiday to me, uh, memorialize how they lost every war. Uh, <laughs> well, they, they actually kind of yes. That, that's when they stormed the the, the fortress. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, anyway, this year it's a it was a very sad holiday because apparently there's a huge shortage of mustard. Oh, Jesus! In France, uh, deprived of the condiment that gives edge to a steak frites. Uh, life to a grilled sausage. I'm reading from the New York Times. <laughs> Depth to vinaigrette and richness to mayonnaise. France has been casting around with quiet desperation for alternatives. Horseradish, wasabi, yeah. Worcester sauce, even creams of Roquefort or shallots have all emerged as contenders. But it's not yeah, the you, same. You, 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 you can't displace a mustard. The problem is Dijon mustard is as irreplaceable as it is indispensable mm-hmm. in... in uh, in France, so in French did, cuisine. So how did Biden fuck this up? Because it's obviously his fault, <laughs> Thanks right? a lot, Biden. <laughs> um, but here's the problem. Uh, 
the reason why they have a, a, such a shortage is there are supply problems from COVID. Yeah. Uh, there's a climate change issue that is causing plants to have problems. Well, there's a whole European war. I don't know if you yeah. heard about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's no hope on the horizon of getting mustard, mm-hmm. which let's enlist the marketing genius of a David Stern. Okay. Because if you think about it, what do every Ameri- what does every American have in his or her refrigerator? Mustard. Right. And how uh, many? Like 18 well, bottles we, of mustard? So we went to, you know, we go to Costco. Yeah. And we get the ridiculous stadium size. Yeah. yeah. And if you, and we found this is about, I don't know, a year ago, we looked at one and the expiration date for the mustard on the bottom was like six years ago because you can't. So can't, what? Yeah. It, it, it doesn't stays go bad. good forever. Yeah, right. Well, this is what I'm saying. Every refrigerator on this block, we could just go walking up and down the street. Yeah. Can we have your extra mustard? Right. We put it in a suitcase. We, we go just to go st- France. Uh, Paris. We get a, a limo. We sit in the back seat. We pull up at every traffic stop and pull just, the window down. <laughs> and we say, excuse me. Uh, would you like some great poupon? Oh, we'd make a fortune. Pardon right, me. Right. Would you like some great poupon? Right. The Japs, the Japanese would not call us, <laughs> call us oh old and lazy. Look at us. We are we are cold calling every freaking. So about this is funny that you're mentioning this story. About a, about a week ago, I was cleaning out our spice drawer. Um, yeah. And when I say cleaning out the spice drawer, I was basically just looking for a spice. And yeah. Do you alphabetize your spices? No. So. Sometimes it's got to be hard for you to find a spice, right? Yeah, I've, I pretty much stick to like 10 or 15 of them, so it's not too hard. Well, we had like four jars of mustard seed. Really? Uh, that's like nine lifetimes of mustard seed, are you right? Ju- are you just being I'm hoarding. Mean, are you being mean to the French people right <laughs> I'm now? I'm hoarding. I'm hoarding for you to drive up the, the cost for you Frenchies. Again, any racist statements are made strictly as... Educational uh, purposes. Oh. <laughs> All right, what do you, what do you got? Um, we got a great review, and it just was like this last Sunday it was okay. posted. Yu-Yi One. That's why you... Yugi? Why, it's Y one writes on Apple. This is by far my favorite podcast. Always Aww. entertaining and witty. These guys are pros. Well, that's... Well, that's super nice. If you like Minutia Men, be sure to check out some of the other programs on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. You can pick out your favorite new show at opishows.com. Remember, opi is hippo backwards, O-P-P-I-H shows.com. It's time for another feature. What do we call this one? Do you remember? That would be Studio Wall. It would be. Time now for Studio Walls. And the words of the prophets were written on the Studio Walls. So this is the part of the show where we reach into the Rick and Dave archives and we choose uh, something that we can share, reshare mm-hmm. with you. Uh, of Repurposing from, content as well. Yes, cool. exactly. And every week I sent Dave a list of uh, things to choose from. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week he didn't bother replying at all. Oh, oops. So <laughs> I chose one. I'm busy. <laughs> I am not the old lazy guy in the corner in, in the cubicle. I didn't work even <laughs> reply to the email asking. Whoops. So I have chosen one because <laughs> July 16th uh, is uh, Shoeless Joe Jackson's birthday. Oh, sure. And we had an actor who played the part of Shoeless Joe in the movie Eight Men Out. Mm, uh, D.B. Sweeney. D.B. Sweeney. A lo- was, uh, guy lives in our neighborhood. Yeah, he lives in Hinsdale, of all places. Uh, but we talked about the movie mm-hmm. and, and the White Sox because Dave is a uh, big White Sox mm-hmm. fan. Well, let's play a little clip from that interview. 
I'm a huge White Sox fan. Uh, you know, from the minute I got that role, I uh, I came and I, I went to Comiskey. It was like in 1987, I think, and uh, uh, met the you know the White Sox people, and they were just great to me. And and after the movie came out, I went back to a game, and uh, I hadn't been to a game because when I first came, they were on the road in '87 when I met the some of the uh, the staff, the brass, you know, Kenny Williams and a couple other guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then when uh, uh, when I came to see a game, I go down to my seat and I, I just it wasn't like I went through the team. I just bought some tickets because I just wanted to kind of experience it as a fan and just you know kind of walk in. So I go down to my seat with my buddy, and the beer vendor comes like in the second inning, and he comes and you know we you know I'm not averse to a beer on a hot mm-hmm. day, but I, we hadn't ordered any. And the guy goes, uh, he starts taking two beers out of his tray and handing them to us. And I said uh, I said oh thanks, how much do I owe you? And he goes, no, these are from the guy over there. He points to a guy like eight rows back, and he said, he said, uh, Shoeless Joe doesn't pay at Comiskey. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. So anyway, we thought it was the greatest thing ever. Not you know, not, you know, we could afford our beer, obviously, but it was just the idea of it. So by the sixth inning, we had about twelve beers backed up <laughs> under our seats. And and the thing was. It was just great, and no, it wasn't like people were coming over like, you know, can we take a picture? We want to hang out with you and bother you, or whatever. Not that anybody bothers you when they come over. It's just, it was not like that. It was, it was just such a cool thing. It was like, they thought it was so neat that, that the movie had been made and that one of the guys from the movie was there, and so that, that's just a great memory I'll always have. So, uh, do you think it, Shoeless Joe should be in the Hall of Fame? I mean, absolutely. If if Ty Cobb's in there, if uh, you know, there's so many people that are bad people that are in the Hall of Fame, and Shoeless Joe really kind of has a bad rap. That whole in that whole era of gambling, baseball wanted to have scapegoats of, that were gambling. But the reality was, in my research, what I found out, it, 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 it's pretty much backed up by Elliot Azenoff, who wrote the book Eight Men Out as well, is that the players all bet on games. When they'd have a four-game series, like if, if, if the White Sox went into Boston and there was a four-game series and the Red Sox won the first two games, the third game would be in play. The Red Sox would would arrange with the White Sox who was going to win or lose that third game. And then really? if, the, if the White Sox, oh yeah, it was widespread. I mean, every team was betting all the time. And it's not in the movie, but because you can't do too many seasons in a movie. But the reality is, after the nineteen nineteen World Series, in the nineteen twenty season, the White Sox were getting ready to, to throw the World Series again. Shoeless <laughs> Joe Jackson was hitting three ninety, and he was having the best season probably of maybe of any hitter, you know, of, of, you know for before World War War Two, and that's when the hammer came down the next season, 1920. So the events of the movie condensed all this action, but the reality was Ty Cobb, everybody that was playing baseball was dumping games. You know, they was just the way they did it, and, and the fans knew it, so when it, whenever one team won two games in a row, the fans kind of knew, oh, okay, third game's in play. Wow. I had no idea. I mean, there's a book about the 1918 World Series the year before uh, between the Cubs and the Red Sox. And that book kind of speculates that that series was thrown by the Cubs. I think that's 17, 1917 World Series because the 1918 didn't have one. No, it wasn't in 1918 because they did it early. They did it like the season oh, ended oh, okay. in September uh, and they did it uh, – because the White Sox were in the 17 World Series. This is like the only area of knowledge yeah. I have. So, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm a, but I, I, didn't a know, I did not know this about the, uh, the the widespread betting during the seasons. I had no idea. Yeah, the players felt like, you know, the, the whole point was to win the series. So if you won the series of games, you, you could lose one of the games within that series, and nobody was, nobody was really hurt by it. Oh, that's very cool. 
Um, you well, know, and there, there was nine. With the World Series run was what nine games? Is that what? Yeah, it was nine games, wasn't it? It was yeah. And in, in the year uh, 1919 is the only year the World Series was nine games. And I thought in my mind, I thought that was because the, the, they felt that the demand was pent up because there hadn't been a series the year before. But maybe I have that part wrong. I think it was just because the. Uh, the series was early the year before and then there was the whole obviously the pandemic and all that that was going on yeah. too so sure. and we know what that's <laughs> like now <laughs> everything's old is new again right yeah um i wish the <laughs> listeners would be able to see your face while listening to that every guy he's wrong <laughs> You still can't get over the fact that the, the, he was questioning me on the 1918 World Series, which is the only thing baseball for the 1900s is the only thing you know. I mean, I have no knowledge of, of anything, anything else, right? Anything, right, right. but that uh, you cannot question me. Right. So, for you celebrities out there, the next time, do not question. Rick's still pissed about it. I'm not pissed, but it, I thought, you know, uh, it. I just wasn't showing properly. I just saw I just saw a lot of eye rolls here. <laughs> now that interview, by the way, is an excellent interview because uh, it goes into far more depth right. about how he had to learn how to hit left-handed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he uh, Charlie Sheen stories because Charlie Sheen was in the book uh, or in the movie, movie um, and all sorts of other great stuff. You should check it out. It's episode number one seventy-four of Minutia Men. Hmm. It's called a Corona Show with Shoeless Joe, oh, or even rhyming it a is, little bit, very much so. Well, we got more show. Uh, let's uh, uh, give me give me a uh, quick well, we're update. Gonna, we're going to continue the racism. Uh, my story is Asian mocking. Okay, again, this is purely for yeah, educational, educational purposes. purposes. Yeah. Uh, my story is about. Uh, ridiculous memorization Hmm. and there's also a celebrity story coming uh from our listeners uh which is a fun one i think and all that is coming up right after this all right adam what uh, country are you from i am from england what is the best soccer league in the entire world the english premier league what is your day job director of coaching for illinois youth soccer so if you were say a fan of english premier league and you wanted to hear the the opinions of someone who is from england who knows a lot of soccer what podcast would you tell people they need to listen to free kicks with adam and rick and that's on the radio misfits podcast network free kicks a tony lasano podcast an opi show on the radio misfits podcast network great talk radio isn't dead it just moved to a better place radiomisfits.com and we're back well rick i mentioned we have another asian story there it yes, is that's right alabama judge suspended after mocking asian accent in the courtroom <laughs> An Alabama judge with a history. (laughs) Alabama, what what are the odds? (laughs) Right, it's like, uh, instead of Florida man, it's Alabama judge. An Alabama judge with a history of inappropriate comments was suspended after he allegedly mocked an Asian accent in the courtroom. Mobile County's 13th Circuit Judge James T. Patterson, a Republican... Okay. <laughs> who was yeah. elected in 2016, has faced backlash from staffers and court reporters. They reported that his behavior on the bench was bad enough to erode faith in the judicial system. Wow. According Again, Alabama. Okay. Yeah. Uh, according to a complaint filed in mid-June. Again, keep in mind this is Alabama, and for something to be so offensive that it bothers everybody all the other alabamians yeah that's a good point when addressing potential jurors 
uh, commission investigators say Patterson mocked an Asian accent and asked if everybody, if anybody spoke English after he saw an Asian American in the group of jurors. Wow. Witnesses say that Judge Patterson lifted the corner of both of his eyes with his fingers. And oh, my God. <laughs> and started to mock the juror with an exaggerated and nonsensical fake Chinese accent. Now, here's my question. What dialect was he using? Yeah. Was it Sichuan? Was it Mandarin? Right. What was it? Yeah. Um, there are like 500 different dialects. And how did they know that it was mocking Chinese? Yeah. Right. That, that's racist in itself. <laughs> the judge later released a statement in which he apologized and addressed and addressed his direct manner of speaking. I was just, you know, yeah, I was doing a minutiae podcast, right? <laughs> it was for educational purposes, yeah. right? Uh, and he went on to say the liberals call everyone they disagree with a racist nowadays. The statement said, I am nothing of the kind. I just wish these Soros loving Zionist lawyers would just shut up. <laughs> yeah. Okay. He, I made up that yeah. last part. So, yeah. well, you've done some accents for educational purpose i'm not going to ask you to do your accent no please uh, i don't do it but you know we were talking about this uh before we started and uh, i said to you well you know uh mel blank used to do right. some pretty racist uh asian oh, well, Dis- stuff disney i mean you go back to the 40s and the 50s they're well, it's yes. terrible but so i actually looked it up um and i found this is a uh world war ii era propaganda cartoon all right so this is a cartoon that came out in 1943 okay about japanese people and this and the u.s government this is from the u.s the government u.s government put this out okay <laughs> and i'm not this is not a joke i mean it oh is God. a joke but it's not a right, joke right right it really it's educational purposes yes so if you want to find it it's on youtube i'm going to play you just a little clip and then you'll see why we won't play any more of it here we go Oh, oh, to demonstrate how to constructing a delicious Japanese club sandwich. Slice a bread ration card, so. Place a piece of a meat ration card, so. Then eat them. Oh, yum, yum, sandwich. Mmm. After eating, you are enjoying a club. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's the U.S. government. Wow. Now, I know we were at war, but holy mackerel. Yeah, that's uh, that's our U.S. government. All right, so uh, I have a, a story for you as well, which I need to pull up. Here it is. <clears throat> All right, Dave, this is, uh, this is oh my a God, story. I'm looking at your computer screen. Yeah. What font type? That's like a, got 160 font type <laughs> on your computer screen. Is that the only way that you could read these? And I'm wearing glasses. <laughs> exactly. Uh, A man with an impressive memory broke a Guinness World Record in Florida this week. And this is one of those things that you're just going to be proud of Mm -hmm. for the rest of your life. Uh, He memorized the order of a deck of cards that had been shuffled underwater and then came out and sorted the second deck exactly in the same order. Okay. Recall master Nelson Okay, I think he's the old old lazy guy in the corner, (laughs) indeed. This is what you're spending your time on? First of all, it already was a Guinness World Record, so he beat the record. Someone else had done this for a God knows what reason. He did it in two minutes uh, and 22.53 seconds, earning him the Guinness World Record for fastest time to arrange a deck of playing cards memorized underwater. underwater. Um, That's a niche business right there. It is. It is. But it it made me think about... uh, memorization right so 
you know, what's to say he didn't memorize the cards? That maybe this is like his thing that he can memorize. Yeah, you sure. Know? Um, we all have things that we can mm-hmm, memorize. Mm-hmm. You, well, for instance. Uh, I like I, I still remember uh, a thing that I had to do for like third grade or second grade um, for Benjamin Banneker. Do you know? Well, I'll just tell you, Benjamin yeah. Banneker, inventor and engineer, born a free man in Elliott Merritt, Maryland, uh, constructed the first working clock. Wow, that's pretty good. Yeah. So uh, I was at dinner with uh, my sister this yeah. past week, and and Shakespeare came up. Yeah. She recited the first uh, monologue from King Lear. Really. You know, for, that she read in high school. Yeah. She just had it memorized. Yeah. Yeah. Here's my weird one. Well, right yours now. is beer. <laughs> open. It's every wedding you've ever been to. What beer has been on tap, right? Uh, no, that's okay. not it. Um, and it's not Cubs related. Yeah. When I was a kid, I used to uh, I have trouble sleeping. Yeah. And and my mother always told me to, you know, count sheep. Right. You know, or which I never quite got. They're supposed to like visualize sheep jumping. I right. never really right. Whenever I did that, one of the sheep didn't make over the fence and got hurt, and then the other sheep devoured it and just ate its intestines. Yeah. So you know what I did? I memorized the names of the presidents. Oh. And I just said them over and over again in order to fall asleep. Really? Yeah. Now, do you know the? Do you still know? I think so. All right, okay. now. And you're not reading. I'm not. I, there's, right. there's no 140 point type. I, no. This is really okay. from your memorization. All right, I did them in fives. Okay. All right, it was Washington, Adams, yeah. uh, Jefferson, Madison, Monroe. Okay. Right. Those. Then it and that's was, also the uh, streets in downtown Chicago. That's true. Then it is uh, John Quincy Adams, mm-hmm. Andrew Jackson, uh, Martin Van Buren, William Henry Harrison, and John Tyler. Okay. The next five are the tricky ones. James K. Polk, uh, Zachary Taylor, um, uh, Millard Fillmore, uh, Franklin Pierce, and James Buchanan. Okay. Right. Then you got Abe. Abe Lincoln. Sure. 16, uh, baby. Andrew Johnson, uh, Ulysses S. Grant, followed by James Garfield, followed by Chester Arthur. Okay. You know, I've never been impressed with anything you've done. This is... This is a, you're giving me a pause here. That, Thank this you. is a sight of you I've never seen. Then it's Rutherford B. Hayes, okay, uh, followed by Grover Cleveland, okay, followed by uh, uh, oh wait, oh great, it's James Garfield, then Grover Cleveland, okay. then Rutherford B. Hayes, then Grover Cleveland again, then William McKinley, okay, then you got Teddy Roosevelt, okay, Woodrow Will or uh, Teddy Roosevelt, uh, Taft, Woodrow Wilson, um. Uh, Harding, Coolidge. Okay. And so that's, you know, we're up whatever, to like, 20, you know, 25 or whatever. whatever it is. Then it's um, Herbert Hoover, FDR, uh, Harry Truman, Eisenhower, John F. Kennedy. Uh, how many times have you flopped this out at a party? <laughs> never, or so? Really? Never. I would, this would be something that I would, I would steer every conversation toward, you know, whatever politics, you know, I know yeah. every president. Going. And then Lyndon Johnson. Oh, now we're uh, yeah. Right. You know, you know the rest of them. Uh, no, keep going. But, uh, so when I, when I did this as a kid, it ended with Nixon. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Lyndon Johnson, yeah. Richard Nixon. Sure. And then, you know, Ford, Carter, yeah. Reagan, Bush, uh, Clinton, Bush, uh, uh, Obama, right. I forget the guy after Obama, <laughs> and, and, and Joe and, Biden. And fake news, <laughs> and hoax. Yeah. Uh, that, you know what? Did Again, that, that impressed you? Never 
I've never seen this before. The tough ones are those 1800 ones because nobody gives a crap about any of those guys. But yeah. Well, who was the Whites or the Cubs starting lineup in the for the 1908 World Series? Um, okay. <laughs> you know this, don't you? I do. The outfield was uh, Jimmy Slagle, uh, Jimmy Sheckard, and Wildfire, Wildfire Schulte. Okay. First base was Frank Chance. Wow. Second base was Johnny Evers. Shortstop was uh, Tinker. Third base was Harry Steinfeld. Wow. The catcher was Johnny Kling. Yeah. Okay. And Orville overall was the starting pitcher. Okay, what is the date of your uh, anniversary? <laughs> Your wife's wedding, or your wife's <laughs> your wife's wedding, your wife's uh, birthday. November. Oh, uh, her birthday is June seventeenth. Okay, Not see, I, I'm pretty good right. at some things. <laughs> Not many. All right, it's time for another feature. A random name pulled out of Rurik's bowl of brushes with celebrities. Mixture, collection, selection, assemblage, medley, assortment, variety. Time now for celebrity potpourri with Rick and Dave. I, the, so the president thing just reminded me. Yeah. When Aaron was God, eight or nine, for a period of time she was a James Garfield. Um, oh, huge fan. He was but, shot. Oh, I don't. Did I don't remember what. It, and I yeah. remember for one year. For Hanukkah, she wanted a James Garfield <laughs> figurine. Oh. You know, you would think that that would be a very difficult thing to get. You go on eBay, oh, you can get anything. So that was the, you know, for 87 cents or whatever it was, <laughs> that was her favorite, favorite. Uh, st- uh, hey, if you ever, there. if you ever meet me uh, out on the street mm-hmm. um, and you don't believe that I really memorized those presidents, just ask, just ask me. Now do it in your offensive French accent. <laughs> All right. It's time for our celebrity story. And uh, I've been getting some great ones. This one is from Anna. Uh, I chose it because it's a girl. Yeah. <laughs> Most of them are from guys. Um, we're like the who at a concert. When you go to a who concert, there are yeah. no lines for the women's yeah, bathroom. It is amazingly we're, we're, we're basically the. Yeah. Uh, so here's my celebrity story. She says, when I was in college in the early 90s at Earlham College in Indiana, which I've never heard yeah. of, I worked in the office of the dean. One year, the dean invited one of the most famous graduates in college in the college's history to come back and receive an outstanding alumni uh-huh. award. The dean had a shit-eating grin on his face when he told me, how would you like to go pick up a celebrity at the airport? <laughs> of course, I jumped at the chance, even though it meant driving about an hour to the airport in Dayton, Ohio. When I asked who it was, he said, Jim Fowler. I had no idea who that was. The dean was disappointed that I didn't know, but he told me Jim had been on Mutual of Omaha's oh, Wild okay, Kingdom. That's what, that, I, I knew I knew the name, but okay. <laughs> and was a frequent guest on The Tonight Show. He Brought was the it, animal guy. Yeah, right, he right. was the animal yeah, guy. Yeah. So I was told what gate, what flight, but I realized about halfway there that I had no idea what he looked like. And it was, you know, in the pre... You can't, you yeah, can't Google it. Right. right. I was only 19 and from a tiny little town in Indiana, so it didn't occur to me to hold up a sign with his name. I really didn't go to airports. So I went to the baggage carousel, and I just looked for a guy dressed for a safari. (laughs) Oh, that guy's got the big hat. He's got the Curious George hat on. It wasn't until everyone else was gone and I saw a totally normal-looking man wearing a sport jacket standing there looking at his watch that I realized it was him. We drove all the way back to college in silence. When we were almost there, I tried to start up a conversation. So, I said, I have a cat. He smiled and replied, I have a lion. 
That is the best story. That is so. I love the awkward silence, you know, with the with the animal guy in your front seat. Oh god, I that's love what... looking for a guy dressed for a safari. <laughs> Talk about offensive. Right, right, right. Uh, there's a guy with a monkey, but you don't see monkeys on safaris because there'd be somebody else. Uh, anyway. That's an emo that doesn't work. If you if you have a story and Dave says every person in the entire world has, has a met somebody story, yeah, has some has met somebody. Be sure to email it to us at the end of the show. I'll give you a bunch of different places that you can email it. Uh, but before we get to that, I want to talk about uh, our Minutia Men Celebrity interview, which is out now. Mm-hmm. Uh, our 100th episode, yeah, Dave. It's uh, great. Amazing. We are not the old. We are not the lazy old guys. No, we are. No, just turn now. Them. We did take off like six weeks <laughs> before we posted this one, but it's out there now. We talked to Radio Hall of Fame disc jockey uh, Bob Stroud, uh-huh. who has some great yeah, stories. Nice guy too. And I, I'll, I'll tell you, I also embarrassed myself in that episode. I tell a story about getting trapped in his bathroom, right. and he then at the end took major shots at me too. And and he did. He said bad. He said mean things to Dave. So, <laughs> so that's this worth is a win win. <laughs> that's worth listening to right there. Uh, so check it out, Minutia Men Celebrity Interview, one hundredth episode, right. and we've got some actually some really great guests coming up too. We do, yeah. Um, and uh, this is a rare chance for people to come out and meet us this coming weekend, mm-hmm. right on Sunday. Where will we be? Uh, we're going to be in Blue Island, Blue Island uh, Brewery. Yeah. No, Beer Company. Beer Company. Um, and, uh, yeah, the, Alan has invited us, and we're going to be there with the authors of Chili Dog MVP. John right. and David are going to be there. Uh, we're going to be doing a podcast there right. as well. Not our show, but a White Sox-related show. Um, there are possibility of some ex-White Sox players going to be there. Really? That's what Alan told me yesterday. Wow. Uh, and um, really looking forward to it. And it's going to be, we're going to get there at around 1230. And and Dave, what do they sell there? Uh, what, at the beer company? Yeah. Uh, mustard. No. All they do is... No, they, that is not true. Be they beer. sell beer. So that's how they talk me into coming. And I will be there too. In fact, we're going to drive together. Yes, and you're going to pick me up. Special thanks to our executive producer Tony Lucano. Which car are you driving? Are you going to drive the nice one, or are you going to drive? Which car are you going to drive? The nice one, yes. The Toyota Corolla, <laughs> yes. The nice one. Okay. <laughs> executive producer Tony Lasano with OpiShows.com. Opi is hippo backwards. O p p i h shows.com. We're distributed by Ed Silla with Radio Misfits. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. RadioMisfits.com. And as I mentioned, you can email us. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's you can tweet us. Uh, Minutia Men Podcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. We're on Twitter at Minutia Men. We're on Instagram. Minutia I think Men we're up to like 112. I know. We've uh, got a 3% increase every week. <laughs> it's like inflation. <laughs> you can also email us at uh, Eckhart's Press, which is our publishing mm-hmm. company, or at my blog, rickkemford.blogspot.com. And. We will be back again next week with a brand new episode uh, of Minutia Man. The proceeding was a presentation of Opie Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Opie Productions. Tony, can you shut up?